0: If you're in New York City or the tri-state area, listen up. This year, I'm looking to coach couples live in person on this podcast. So if you and your partner want to be personally coached on money and relationships, this is your chance. Now, whether you can't get on the same page with your spending, maybe one of you has loads of debt, maybe you're about to go through a huge life change like a baby promotion career change, and you're just stuck on how to handle the financial side of it, and you live in the tri-state area, I want to hear from you please apply at iwt.com apply. Have you ever wondered how much money other people make or how much they spend on groceries or vacations? Well, for the last month, I have been getting hundreds of real spending plans from readers all over the world, all different income levels, all different ages. And each week in my newsletter, I select one to critique. I'll show you how much they make, how much they spend, how much they save and invest, all of their real numbers, plus what I would do if I were in their situation. If you've ever wanted to peek into what real people are spending, make sure you're signed up for free at IWT.com slash podcast newsletter. I'll show you a new spending plan every Saturday at IWT.com slash podcast newsletter. Courtney, you applied to talk to me. Uh-huh. Why?
1: because I want to I get past my own bullshit.
0: When you talk about money, what is your tendency?
1: To try to make it sound better than it is, for sure. I don't want them to know that it's this much. So we're just gonna go ahead and say, it's maybe about this much. I guess it's like a form of self-soothing maybe. Are you bad with money? I don't think so, no. I've never had a problem paying for anything ever until lately, but even then, actually, I shouldn't even say that because we're, we're not in debt. It's not like we're racking up credit card debt. We're still paying for everything, so.
0: Well, you have $100,000 plus of debt. That's not really
1: true. There is that. That's true.
0: (laughs) I've never quite met a couple like Courtney and Alex. She's 35, he's 37, and they live in a high cost of living area in Southern California, close to her parents for help with their young child. What's so fascinating here are the stories that Courtney tells herself about money. If something costs 20 bucks, she'll say that it costs 10. And that's just one of the many stories she tells herself. I think you'll also be surprised when you hear Alex's background. Now, all of these stories and emotions obscure the truth of their numbers, which is they're going broke within a few months. You can listen here on the podcast. You can also watch on YouTube. Just search for Ramit Sati, which will allow you to see Courtney and Alex and see their body language As we have this conversation, I'm Ramit Sethi, and this is, I will teach you to be rich.
1: I'll grab a coffee here, pick up something that, you know, just not as like number by number of things that I'm spending where Alex is really good about like, oh, I will have my coffee every morning at home and this and that, like he keeps track a lot better. So I think like, yeah, I'm just more of like willy nilly with my spending, my stuff I don't
0: and does classic. it ever result in a disagreement, or is it fine?
1: But definitely results in disagreement, um, especially since recently we've like more so combined our finances instead of allocating like I cover this and he covers that. It's just been like cool one bank account. Here we go, kind of thing. Um, yeah. So, so when was the
0: last time you fought about money?
1: Last month probably was the best month that we had with being on the same page because we both were like. Don't spend any money.
0: <laughs> oh, so not spending any money is being on the same page.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: what What is it typically that you disagree about?
1: What to buy and like groceries, I'd say would be a big one that we talk about a lot that like he thinks that I could spend less in groceries and I keep telling him that groceries are getting more expensive. Let's just say like in the kitchen, looking at the receipt and that I like spent you know, something, oh, I could spend $80 on this and you spent 180 you know. Okay. And
0: like, how do you respond to that?
1: Groceries are getting more expensive. Also, I thought you wanted some bubbly water and wanted to get something nice for you. You know, like a little treat to have in the house. So like, here's that and some ice cream. But I guess I didn't need to buy the ice cream or the bubbly water. But then that to me emotionally just feels like you're not... At least if, like, if we're not going out to eat then and we can't even like... Get bubbly water to have in the house, and that's like, what are we doing <laughs> with life? Like, if we can't have any nice little treats here and there for ourselves, then like, why? What? What's the point of that? Mm. You know, like, I, what are we
0: working for? What are we earning money for?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like to be able to have, like, in an ideal world, I like to be able to pay for all the things I need to pay for, you know, the to dos, and then still have enough left over to. Yeah, get the get the ice cream or get some extra little things here and there that like aren't the bare necessities of just like protein, vegetable, fruit, grains. The end. What kind of ice cream? Uh, The one right now, I think it's Trader Joe's vanilla. Okay. Which is not the cheapest one, but if I'm going to get ice cream, I'm not getting the crappy stuff. I like the. I'm very picky (laughs) about certain ice creams that I get, like Haagen Dazs, Talenti, or Trader Joe's.
0: And are you living in that ideal world right now?
1: No, nah, eh, not really.
0: How does it feel when you think about money today?
1: I'm scared. I'm scared right now. Um, what?
0: Like literally right now?
1: Yeah, I, a little bit. Like I, My month is shaping up really nicely with work. By the end of the day tomorrow, I will have grossed more this month than I did last month. So I'm doing good. I just... I think I'm still just kind of freaked out where I'm like, Oh my God, what if I get sick again? And then it goes down and then it's the third month in a row that we're having to pull from savings. And like, then we really can't afford the ice cream and really shouldn't be doing that. So it's like that guilt that you feel about spending, but then also you feel guilty for like not. And then we went Christmas shopping yesterday. I brought my daughter and there was something that she wanted. And she was like crying, walking out the store. And I'm like, Oh God, like, should I just, I don't, uh, like, no, Sorry. And so that kind of
0: sucks. Listening to you talk about it, it feels overwhelming. Yeah. Yes. And do you think that that's normal?
1: No, I didn't used to feel this way.
0: Notice the invisible scripts here. First, Courtney offhandedly mentions that not spending money means they're on the same page. This is a really common belief of people who grew up with frugal families. The idea that if we're not spending money, we're doing it right. And you can see the costs of hearing phrases like that, like, we can't afford it, and you don't need that. You grow up believing that spending money is bad. And because you inevitably have to spend money to live a rich life, you end up living with existential guilt for the rest of your life. Sorry, was I talking about Catholicism or money? (laughs) Second, I also hear how Courtney feels frantic. Do you pick up on that? She's spinning. She's creating worst case scenarios and then adding a layer of guilt on top of it, peppered with lots of sorries and other tip-off words. Also, the things she mentioned about being an entrepreneur and having a really good month, all of these things are clues that I want you to file away.
1: I've been in business for 10 years now and have never heard of a profit and loss sheet, and I finally was informed of what that is and how to use it and what bookkeeping is and all that stuff. I'm like, so my mind is blown. So now I'm actually using Profit and Loss Sheets and seeing like, I would always just go off of like, oh, I grossed this much this month. And then I'd set aside my money for taxes and like, and it would just always work. It was one of those things that would just always work. I'd always be able to pay my bills, never have to pull from savings. I could buy whatever I wanted. It just, and I couldn't tell you how, it just always kind of worked out. What changed? noticing the profit and loss sheet and like actually looking at the numbers. So between that, and then we moved and our rent doubled. So my financial awareness and then our expenses going up by $2,000 a month.
0: $2,000. That's a lot. Yes. So your rent went up by $2,000 a month. Yep. Wow.
1: So we moved we were living in San Diego and moved back up to Orange County where I'm from to be near my family and get help with babysitting and just family support and all that jazz. So we were looking at the things that we wanted in a house and or in a home, you know, apartment whatever, and for Alex it was at bare minimum a one car garage and for me it was a washer and dryer. Those requirements for an apartment were around thirty six to thirty eight hundred and then for a house it was forty one hundred. So we said F it and went for the house as you might as well. <laughs> G-
0: can you finish that sentence for it? You might as well what?
1: <laughs> might as well just get the big house that has all the things that you want and spend, you know, two, three hundred dollars more a month and have a, a nice big house instead of being in an, an apartment that you don't have a yard, you have a one car garage. I mean, the price difference was For us, we were just like, eh, what's a couple hundred dollars more a month? Like, just get the nice thing.
0: And has that turned out to be a good decision?
1: Yes and no. Like, yes, in terms of living comfortably. And like, when you talk about living your rich life, like to me, being in this house fully is that 100%. And so I tell myself that too, where I'm like, look, Court, just because you can't get the ice cream today or right now, doesn't mean that's not going to change down the line. And look at what home you're in and how rad wait wait, is. wait,
0: wait, hold on, hold on. You have ice cream in your freezer right now.
1: <laughs> okay, yep, get you called out.
0: <laughs> I encounter this a lot. I'm talking about when people say one thing and then seconds later, they contradict themselves. This is way more common than you might think. You see, when most of us talk about ourselves, we live an idealized life. We try to be fit, we try to manage our money, we spend a little too much and we could probably cut back, but nothing outrageous. I've spoken to couples on this podcast who literally say, yeah, we could do better, but we're making it work as they are hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And one of the things I try to do on this podcast is help people cut through their self-created identities to look at the facts of the situation. Sometimes it works in their favor. Are you stressed out by $2,000 of credit card debt? In the grand scheme of things, that's not that much. We could fix it. On the other hand, are you totally relaxed about $200,000 of credit card debt because it's actually not that much and your neighbor Mary has 500K of debt? That's not good. You can hear a lot of playing with identity in this conversation, a lot of comparisons and rationalizing. For example, we were going to overspend, so we just said, screw it. Let's hear how Alex feels.
2: I feel... The same way I've felt for the last five years, always in fear. And I feel like uh, I'm behind the ball as far as with my, in comparison to my peers. Um, And so, yeah, money's always been a big stressor. Four years or so, we were doing really well. Uh, We were in in a place that the rent was cheap. We didn't have a child. We were both working and um, making decent money and saving money. I paid off my car, my motorcycle, and I was debt-free. And I had more money in the bank than I had ever had. It wasn't a lot, but it was more than I had ever had. And and, and like, before you go on, what did that feel like at that moment? It felt great. Um, however, it, my my fear with money never changed.
0: Uh-huh. Did you think that once you were debt-free, that your relationship with it would change magically?
2: Uh, no, because I, I knowing how I, I function, especially... With money, I was just super driven to um, accumulate wealth, so to speak, and uh, have you know, it was like I I I'm, am I'm debt free. Okay, cool. Now I need twenty grand in the bank. Okay, cool. Now I need fifty grand. When did things start to change financially? I would say over the last year. What happened? We had a kid. <laughs> uh last couple of years. We we had a kid. We were earning less. We had moved before our our um our rent was more. It was about eight or nine hundred dollars more than we were paying at our original place, our one bedroom. And um You know, I feel like for the last year we've been we've been chipping away. We got married in uh, in October, and that was you know that that cost quite a bit of money. How much? uh, the numbers aren't. I'm not sure, but I would say if I count the ring and I count the um, the uh, bachelorette party and the bachelor party, I'm thinking probably out of our pocket, fifteen grand. Okay, Courtney, does that sound about right to you?
1: I guess. I honestly am Uh-oh. not really sure. I'd say around, I'd guess more around 10, but he's probably closer. Like I, <laughs> it's probably 15. Is that, well, I, Is that a common
0: dynamic? Is that a common dynamic where yeah. Alex, you know the numbers more than Courtney?
1: Yeah, and I tend to yes. undershoot it when I want Why wanted, do you undershoot it? Uh, I think emotional emotional part of it, just to not stress myself as much like when I hear 15 grand, I'm like, oh, but when I hear 10, I'm like, oh, okay. all
0: right. Another common tactic. People who know they're making a mistake will use a variety of techniques to not feel bad. Some will simply ignore it. Others will compare themselves to someone worse off. Sure, it was $10,000, but at least it wasn't $30,000 like Jack, that is so irresponsible. And some will undershoot the number. They're basically lying to themselves. And because money is fluid, You know, you can make a lot one month and you can actually lose money due to inflation and phantom costs. And there's bookings and revenue if you have a business. You can kind of get away with it for a long time. Personally, I find Courtney fascinating. I don't get the chance to talk to someone who openly misrepresents numbers and is candid about it that often. If you ever follow me on Instagram, sometimes you'll see me post about my behind the scenes travel experiences. Coffee tours, salsa making classes in Mexico, all kinds of culinary stuff in India. And I'll get a lot of people saying, where do I find that Kyoto notepad maker that you found? And one place you can find that is Viator. In fact, my wife and I use Viator to book a Segway tour where we took a tour of a new city and we had an amazing experience, something we never would have thought of doing on our own. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. And with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everybody. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real travel reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best travel activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. I have a friend of mine who's always cold. She told me she and her partner have totally different temperatures when they sleep. She goes to bed in a flannel pajama. She's got extra blankets. Her partner's running hot. So now she recently started testing the pod cover from 8sleep, one of our sponsors. Before she goes to sleep, she gets on the app, cranks up the heat. And when she gets into bed at night, it's already warm and waiting for her. The pod cover by eight sleep fits on your bed like a fitted sheet and it collects information. It has sensors. The pod then uses that information to understand what you need to get better sleep. You can set it to heat up or cool down before you get into bed. It also adjusts while you sleep and you can set it to change temperatures to gently wake you up in the morning. Best part, there are two zones. So if you run hot and your partner runs cold, you can each set your side of the bed to exactly how you want it. Improve the way you sleep by using my link at eightsleep.com slash Ramit for $200 off plus free shipping on their high-tech Pod 3 cover. That's eightsleep.com slash Ramit, E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T for a better, smarter sleep. So Alex says it was 15. Mm-hmm. Courtney, does that number sound right to you?
1: Ugh, yeah, I guess. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. And what did you hear in yourself when you answered that question just now?
1: Not happy about it. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's your wedding.
1: I it's your know. Ring. It's your
0: bachelorette party.
1: You sound excited about it.
0: Yeah. So and I notice you're tearing up.
1: Sorry. That's okay.
0: Money is emotional. Tell me a little bit about why.
1: Well, I don't want to feel bad about her wedding, yeah. about spending that money. Do you? You know, I mean, a little bit. Yeah. Now, like today, yeah. I, two months ago, no, when it happened, I didn't. But okay. after having had the two months of pulling from savings, yeah, it's like, oh, it'd be nice to have that.
0: <laughs> and what does it make you feel when you think about that now?
1: I you don't know, kind of sad.
0: Sad because you don't have the money, or sad for another reason?
1: Oh, sad that I don't have like the that emotional component toward like that. I feel sad about our wedding. It's it's a bummer awesome. that I like look at it. And I'm like, oh, like I don't want to feel that way about it because when I think about it, I don't. Like when yeah. I don't think about the money, I don't feel bad at all. You know, I'm right. stoked about it, and I think that's part of the reason too. why In my head, I'm like, no, it was less. <laughs> or don't don't include those things. You know, don't include the parties and stuff you know the bachelor party in the ring and all that like the wedding itself was only this much but who like, are you
0: fooling when you say it that way me so here you are today you came on you want to get some help it sounds like a few big things happened in the last year you had a child your rent went up by two thousand dollars and courtney you started becoming a little bit more financially aware through a pnl etc would that be accurate yes okay and how would you rank your financial situation right now? Would you say it's very good, average, bad? How would you describe it? Courtney?
1: Optimistic.
0: Have you ever said that your money situation was bad?
1: Uh, well, I don't know. I don't think maybe, maybe. Okay. Cause yeah, All otherwise, right. like straight reality, like money situation in this second. Eh. Moderate to poor.
0: Wait a minute. (laughs) You went from optimistic to poor in like 10 seconds.
1: (laughs) Which one is it? Well, okay. I mean, I guess it's a matter of like reality and mindset. I don't, you know, like in reality, we had to just pull from savings to pay for stuff. So to me, that's poor. But I'm trying to just be like, nope, okay. Don't get emotionally hung up on all of that. Like, trudge ahead. Don't let this like let you stumble and take you down a spiral of negativity.
0: You know, it's interesting. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I don't think that your situation should result in a spiral of negativity. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing this all or nothing approach to money a lot. Either Courtney is optimistic or poor. She feels happy or sad about money. And you've heard me say many times that money is emotional. I even said it to Courtney a few minutes ago. But sometimes we let our emotions overwhelm us. Emotions can give us clues, but they can also lead us astray. And yeah, I talk about how in a rich life, you have to work on improving your money psychology and your emotional relationship with it. But you also have to work on improving the basic nuts and bolts of personal finance. That means that to become confident with money, you have to become more competent.
2: My when I communicate about money, it is I, I usually comes from a point of area of like frustration and fear. So I give me an example. Um I can be short and um, rude. Now that our, our um our finances are are combined, at the end of the month she would transfer. Her earnings after expenses and tax into our account, so then we can pay bills. Um, and it seems like when I ask how much how much are you going to be able to transfer, then she'll say one thing and it'll be significantly less. Or I oh no, here's the best example was when we were combining stuff, and I was like, let's pay off all of our, all of our credit cards, and so we have a great baseline of how much money we actually have. How much liquid we actually have? How much do you owe on your credit cards? And you know, her number was thousands of dollars less than what we actually owed on those credit cards. And so I was like, and "I don't understand how somebody couldn't just immediately have that number." Like, I know exactly how much is in all of our accounts and how much money we owe on credit cards and how much money we owe and have. And so I. I guess when I communicate with her after stuff like that, I, I can be very short and frustrated, and maybe and at times belittling. I think why th- not just say I don't
1: know. Oh, because I would just piss him off to high hell. You don't know? How do you not know? That's ridiculous. That tr- how do you not know? Is that
0: true, Alex? Yes. <laughs> uh huh. It's very interesting uh, when you see a dynamic, and I love how honest the two of you are. You see that oftentimes dynamics are co-created. It's not simply one person. Mm -hmm. One person is reacting to very real pressures from another. I'm not using this to excuse anybody, but simply to describe what's very obviously going on. So you did not want to say, I don't know, because that would have resulted Uh, in all that stuff. What did you do instead?
1: I just, I guessed and I was wrong.
0: Yeah. And and when you guess or when you talk about money, what is your tendency?
1: To try to make it sound better than it is, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think too, like I'm sure when I said that number, it was probably something that like in my heart, I knew it was more than that. But I'm like, I don't want him to know that it's this much. So we're just going to go ahead and say it's maybe about this much. So I guess, I guess mm-hmm. it's like a form of self-soothing, maybe. It makes me think of that meme with the dog sipping coffee in the fire. Yeah. This is fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. Totally. How come you're so open admitting that to me? I mean, he he knows he's he's called me out.
0: I've admitted it. You applied to talk to me. Uh huh. Why?
1: Because I want to. I want to get past my own bullshit. (laughs) Okay, I like that. I appreciate the candor. Are you bad with money? I don't think so. No, I've never had a problem paying for anything ever until lately. But even then, actually, I shouldn't even say that because we're still we're not in debt. It's not like we're racking up credit card debt. We're still paying for everything. So. Well, you have $100,000 plus of debt. There is that. That's true.
0: (laughs) It's fascinating to hear Courtney admit this. I have never had a guest on this podcast who downplays their financial problems quite like Courtney. But at a certain point, I understand what's going on, and I start to lose my fascination with it. Yeah, it's interesting and amusing to hear Courtney use these phrases like, he calls me out on my bullshit. But her admitting her tendencies is in itself a strategy to avoid making real changes. When people talk about money, you have to remember that they use all kinds of conscious and unconscious strategies to resist changing. And Courtney, in this conversation, is going almost over the top to admit that she's often a hypocrite about money. Okay, that's fascinating, but I think it's become this quirky thing that's actually an unconscious strategy, and it's one that's not really helping her. Alex, why do you think that money
2: is registering with Courtney now? Because I explained to her that at this point, with our expenses and our income, anything when you when you look at that pair of pants or you look at that cup of coffee, is that worth pulling out of savings for?
0: Mm, I don't think that's why. Look at her face. She's shaking her head no. Okay, Alex has no ability to understand why this is happening right now. That's okay. Actually, most couples don't understand why they are doing the things they're doing. Alex, are you surprised that your answer, which sounded really logical and cool, is not actually the right answer?
2: No. (laughs) You're not surprised. Why not? (laughs) Because I feel like uh, um, my... My understanding, the way my brain works, is quite a bit different than the way Courtney's does. Mm-hmm. Um, How does yours is, work? Uh, I feel like, <laughs> well, it doesn't work great, but when it, uh, it, for me, it works well as far as when I'm, I can make things very cut and dry and car- uh, compartmentalized. Okay. We come from different backgrounds and, um, I've always stressed about money, so I, I, her money not being uh, something that she thinks about as often as I do is, is understandable. So <clears throat> I, think, I think she's used to things just kind of working out, you know, and i am always had to kind of make things work out. I uh, ran away from home when I was 16. And, um, started working and dropped out of high school, started working and, uh, was hanging around with, with some, some kids that, um, were up to no good. And there, and I, you know, I, I also was up to no good and ended up in some trouble and in the juvenile detention system and, um, group homes. And then on my 18th birthday, I was kicked out with nowhere to go. And I went into, I moved into a, for lack of better terms, Uh, a tweaker pad. And, um, you know, I was living with a bunch of criminals and we were doing a bunch of dumb stuff and and drugs. And, uh, um, I'm, you know, bounced around a lot. I ended up moving, you know, uh, I, I made a friend who invited me, his parents invited me into their home in a different city. So I moved down there with them and, uh, but continued to struggle with drugs and alcohol. Um, And 10 years ago, I got sober and um, yeah, I mean, I, there was periods of homelessness. There was periods of, you know, long periods of unemployment and, you know, just kind of couch surfing and depending on other people to support me, um, you know, lots of, lots of money, money issues. And, you know, and it honestly, it wasn't. As much of a stress then as it is now. I don't know if because the drugs helped with that, or it's just because I was just so used to not having any money and owing people money that it was just, I didn't know anything else. And I was depressed and suicidal for a, a, a long time. And I had been in rehabs and, and uh, sober living before. And, uh, you know, there was a guy that was in 2010. I was in a sober living house and my roommate had been there for years, much more time than anybody else. And I was like, what are you still doing here? He's like, I don't trust myself out there without the structure of this. I think I'll be back in prison. And I was like, fuck that. And, uh, but after about, you know, 18 months, that seemed like a way better situation than what I had going on. So I went, um, to to i went and sought help thinking that that was going to be the rest of my life was just being locked up and living in a structured environment thankfully that that wasn't the case at all i have more freedom than i've ever had
0: that's a pretty incredible journey you've been on and i don't often get the chance to talk to somebody who's gone through that journey so i really appreciate you sharing it and pleasure to, to to put try to put myself inside your shoes And at the time where you said, wow, I would rather be in a structured environment instead of being out and having my own freedom. And that is a more attractive uh, outcome to me. It's hard for me to put myself in those shoes. I can't imagine what that must have been like. And now for you to be here where you are, together with Courtney and talking about money and talking about a pretty large amount of money now, that journey is absolutely incredible. So regardless of where we go, I just want to say wow, absolutely amazing and congratulations on being sober and it helps me understand where you're coming from when you share that with me. So thank you. Thank you. How did you grow up with money?
1: Oh, it was never an issue. Um we and I like I actually found this to be interesting because as I have been working with myself and my business coach more on this kind of stuff and realizing that like I think actually, no, it was one of your podcasts. There was another wife that was doing something and it's kind of similar. And she was like, I don't know, it just always works out. It always works out. And I'm like, yeah, it always works out. Like that resonated with me so much. And then within the week, I'm talking with my mom about finances and she, and she goes, well, I don't know, it just always works out. And I'm like, oh, interesting. And because it, it has, it just has always worked out. And she, she, I will always remember her saying, I don't know how it does. It just always does. Don't ask me how it just always does.
0: And they have questions. What do you remember hearing from them about money growing up?
1: I don't. I guess just that we never really like worried about it. It wasn't. It. I don't know. We didn't. There wasn't like a whole lot of topics on it. It was mostly just like I think the one thing I can remember is when I was eighteen, my mom told me to take out get a credit card. She like kind of I shouldn't say forced, but highly encouraged to get a credit card. Mm-hmm. I think I had like a five hundred dollar limit on it, and she taught me how the interest worked and how the minimum payment on the card is not going to save you if the interest is higher. And so like, I've always understood that. Um, and I've That's been, very savvy Yeah. Credit cards I've been great on and I've actually manipulated the system with credit cards quite well, getting little points and borrowing their money and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. So I've been, I've always been good uh, with the credit card stuff, but it's the student loan thing that for whatever reason it did not like, I don't know. I think it was one of those things that just, you take out a student loan to go to school. So, how much did you take out? I took out eighty thousand. So that's how much interest has accrued at this point,
0: and I've okay. paid off you ten. From, you went from eighty thousand. You paid off ten, mm-hmm. and it's currently one hundred and seven thousand. Yes. Okay, what does it feel like to hear those numbers?
1: Oh, I hate it. It pisses me off, and that's why I just put it. I put it in a different compartment because I feel like I can't even emotionally like deal. Like I talked yeah. to colleagues about it and we all have this running joke that we like, we're going to die. Not right? that we're going to die, but we all have the running joke of like, yeah, I mean, there's that, but we just kind of put that over there. Cause if I think about um, it, then I'm not okay. Like the amount of emotional stress I had when I graduated and looked at that and realized that I accrued $10,000 in interest just while in school. Still, yeah. I like wanted to puke. it. It
0: is. It so it, it's common. Um People who have, relatively high amounts of student loan debt, they do exactly what you do. They compartmentalize it and then they start making jokes going, well, I'm probably going to die with that amount of debt, but what can you do? It's it's yeah. very predictable. Yeah. And yet, have you ever actually calculated how long it would take you to pay that debt off?
1: No. Mm-mm. What's the interest rate on this debt? On my student loan? Yeah.
0: It's,
1: it's like 6.8 on average. Okay. What do you think
0: about that number?
1: Robbery, Pathway okay, so robbery. You
0: think, you think it's high? All right, yes. I agree. And um, you have something about if you have income-based repayment. Explain that to me.
1: So if I make zero dollars, or like, a, you know, they have some wacky calculation that I have no clue how to figure out. Um, but based off of my earnings from the previous year, they will calculate how much my minimum payment is. Okay. So that's why, like, you go in. Well, this is what I was taught is that when you graduate, that's the best one to go into because initially you won't be earning a lot of money as a business owner. Um, and then what, so it's, it basically takes the pressure off of having a minimum payment where it's like, Oh, I'm going to get into a 10 year repayment plan on, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. I'm not gonna be able to afford that. And then you're just in panic mode from day one. So that's why I was guided into that.
0: Okay. And uh, what's your process in terms of knowing when your debt will be paid off?
1: I don't have
0: one. People do this really weird compartmentalization with money. If I ask them about their investments, they won't include their 401k. In their head, they literally don't count a 401k as investments. On the other hand, if I ask them about their debt, people who have large student loans, I'm talking six-figure loans, they often will not count it. It's like we pick and choose, partly to protect ourselves, but partly because we don't really understand how money works. Anyone who did would understand that a 401k is an investment, whether it's a retirement account or non-retirement account, it's an investment. And this is where it becomes personally frustrating to me. That's one of the reasons I started my entire business, because money affects us in so many ways, but few of us actually decide to get proactive about taking control. I mean, how many people have listened to this podcast for over a year. Okay, and yet listening is one thing, but shifting to proactively taking control is a totally different thing. If you're ready to take control of your money, get my book, you can get it at the library, you can get it at any bookstore. If you want more help and you want direct answers from me, join my money coaching program at IWT.com slash money coaching. Whatever decision you make, know that you can change your life and other beneficial compounds. Now, the greatest part is that Peak Tea is zero prep. There's no tea bag that you have to steep for the perfect amount of time. Peak dissolves in cold or hot water in seconds. It's already pre-measured, it's perfectly brewed, and it's perfect to take if you travel. My team's been trying Peak Tea, and they especially love the Pu'er green teas. For a limited time, get up to 15% off and a free quiver with 12 tea samples with my link, peaklife.com slash Ramit. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash Ramit. R-A-M-I-T. I get tons of email every single day and I want to give you a behind the scenes look at how I manage emails from my team, from my family, and from you. Unlike you barbarians who literally click and peck through every single email, you to mark it unread, S to start it, J or K to cycle through messages. I use keystrokes to schedule messages, like when I want to ask one of my coworkers a question, but I don't want to send them an email on a Saturday. Now I can work through dozens of emails in minutes using this. And Superhuman just introduced an AI feature, which allows you to take a huge email with all these people chiming in automatically summarize what's going on in a few bullet points. It'll even draft emails for you. So if you want to buy back your time, Superhuman is a no-brainer to me. It's something I spend my own money on and I love it. Right now, all IWT listeners will get a free month of Superhuman. You can get started at superhuman.com slash Ramit. That's superhuman.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. Let's look at some of your numbers. Let's go through it. So who put together this conscious spending plan? I love hearing this.
1: Okay. So I listened to your podcast on the one where you're like, you guys need to do this together. So it's like, okay, cool. We're doing this together. And then I tell Alex, I'm like, hey, you need to come read this email. And then I'm in a different room hanging out with my sister. And he goes, okay, it's done.
0: (laughs) Why'd you do that, Alex?
2: To avoid, I was being helpful.
0: What do you think the effects are, Alex, of you doing the Conscious Spending
2: Plan for Courtney? Well, the effects for me is it gets done quickly.
0: Okay, that's true. That's true. And and would you consider that a good thing?
2: Yes, I would okay. consider that a good thing.
0: Okay, and are there any other effects for you?
2: Um, we avoid any sort of um, conflict right. while putting it together. Okay,
0: fine. So... From your perspective, it seems very reasonable. Let me do this; it gets done faster, and we don't fight about it. Okay. What about the effects for the two of you?
2: Um, we, you made a good point. We don't get to have a bonding moment with each other, and also, you know, this is we're we're a team in this in this venture, and um, you know, it's hard for us to be on the same page and both have the you know the same knowledge of our situation um, if we're not looking at the numbers together.
0: Yeah. And what do you think the r- effects are for Courtney when you do the CSP for her?
2: Given the last 20 minutes of conversation and, you know, the the person she has whispering in her ear, um, it probably would have been extremely beneficial if we looked at that together and did it together.
0: Yeah. Courtney, what do you think about this whole CSP experience?
1: Uh, I kind of rolled my eyes and laughed and was like, well, okay.
0: <laughs> Finish the sentence for me.
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, I would have liked to have done it together. I think I've finally hit that point in life where I'm like, all right, let's rip the band-aid off no matter how much this hurts. Like, I want the growth. I'm sick of going in circles. So let's do it.
0: This was an amazing opportunity that they missed. Money is so much more than numbers. So while yes, the conscious spending plan is a spreadsheet that you enter data into, the emotional benefits of being able to work on something together, to bond over it, to figure it out, to basically do this puzzle together, that's a missed opportunity. If you wanna do this alone or with your partner, get the conscious spending plan in the show notes. Now, let's zoom in on what they actually spend their money
1: on. For new parents navigating how to do this. Yeah, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. In, In fact, I
0: think for a lot of new parents, they start to feel really anxious and guilty that they're not hitting their savings numbers that they used to be. And one of the things I always encourage them to do is it's okay to take your foot off the gas for a couple of years when you have a new kid. There's all these expenses you could have never expected as the two of you have discovered. There's all kinds of complexities that come up. It would probably be unrealistic to expect to be firing on every other cylinder in your life mm-hmm. when you just brought a new life into this world. Mm-hmm. So, as I say that, does that give you a little bit of room to breathe?
1: I mean, no. kind of. I feel like I, you know, I've kind of already been telling myself that, but then it's the flames are still burning. It sounds like you've cut your spending down quite a bit. Would Significantly, yes. And it's frustrating okay. me to high hell. It's, I feel like I'm pinned in a corner, not able to buy anything, and it sucks. And I think okay. that's you know that's probably part of it too, is that I've been so far cut back on everything that now I'm like, all right, something's got to give. Let's finally, fi- <laughs> let's finally figure out how to make it so that I can go get my nails done again.
0: Alex, would you agree <laughs> that Courtney has cut her discretionary spending way back? Yes. Okay. That's good. That's great. Have the two of you celebrated that? I find that
1: very impressive. Thank you. No, we haven't.
0: (laughs) Well, let's do it right now. How do you want to celebrate? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What do you think, Alex?
2: How should we celebrate?
0: Yeah, like right now, right here. What do you want to do? High fives. There you go. Let's do it right now. High five everybody. Nice work. All right. Awesome. We got to take the win when there's a win to be had. Otherwise, you go through your life feeling bad about money. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Now, Alex, I'm curious about your discretionary spending. What do you
2: spend money on? Um, Riding motorcycles and motorcycles and maintenance on motorcycles. Like, do you
0: have a motorcycle?
2: Yes.
1: Three of them.
0: You have three. I have five. Wait, five?
1: There's five in the garage?
0: Uh, How much are each of these motorcycles?
1: all well, their assets for um, me to
0: their assets. <laughs> they are whatever. assets, whatever. Uh, yeah, so um, this piece of paper I have on my desk, that's an asset thank you.
1: Uh,
2: There's probably
0: uh, if I sold them all today. No, I'm not wait, I'm asking how much did you pay for them?
2: Okay, 8,000 for the supermoto, 7,800 for the race bike, uh 800 for the 50, 1,500 for the trials bike, 3,200 for the Suron.
0: Okay, so like 21,000 or so together. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, over what time period did you buy these things?
2: Well, I'm I've, i I've always buying and selling motorcycles. Um, but all of these bikes have been purchased within the last couple of years.
0: Well, <laughs> wait, well, yeah, I have a lot of questions. So, you know, here we are talking about the price of like getting your nails done. How much does it cost to get your nails done, Courtney?
1: One that I want to get, like yeah. 60 bucks, 50 bucks. Okay,
0: 60 bucks. And uh, so we got 60 bucks over here on Courtney. And then we have $21,000 in motorcycles. Mm-hmm. It seems like a kind of a big disparity. Care to tell me a little um, more,
2: Alex? Well, I mean, over the over the last... I, I, I love cars and motorcycles. And I, I usually uh, make money on them. Um, How much? Buying and selling. Yeah, sometimes a couple thousand bucks. Other times I'll get to ride something for free and sell it for what I, I paid for it. Okay. Um,
1: For the cost of maintenance and registration.
2: Or the cost of maintenance. Yeah, maintaining the stuff does cost money. Yes. How much? Um, on, on, on a monthly basis, 300 bucks a month.
0: 100. Okay. Courtney, do you agree with that? Do you have any knowledge of that?
1: Zero. I mean, he will come to me and be like, oh, I need to do this. I'm just like, all right, whatever. Like, you're the yeah. one that's frugal. So I don't expect you to overspend. So do you. I see. Yeah. I, see. I, I have no clue how much he spends otherwise. Like it's, I mean, he tells me, you know, he's like, I need to do, I need to get some tires. It's going to cost this much. I'm just like, okay.
0: Notice that subtle comment from Courtney. She said, he will come to me and say, I need to do this. And I'm just like, all right, whatever. You're the one that's frugal. So I don't expect you to overspend. There's so much detail in those sentences. Let me replay it and tell you what I notice. He comes to her saying, Not asking, I need to do this. Her response is, whatever. You're more responsible than I am. So who am I to say anything? To me, this shows a total disconnection of a relationship with money. They're not united. They haven't set up any rules on how to make big decisions. They don't even really communicate effectively about this. It's just, okay, I know I'm bad, so you do you. When did the two of you combine your finances? Two months ago. Uh, Two months ago, when you got married. mm -hmm. Okay. Was there a discussion about what does it mean to bring our
2: finances together? Nope. Yes. (laughs) It's easy for both of us to look at both of our money. So we have it in one account and all the credit cards are visible on that app. So we use two credit cards and we have one account.
0: It sounds very logical to you, doesn't it, Alex? Yes. Can I make a suggestion? Please. Can I suggest that maybe Courtney was not motivated or excited by that? Yes. Okay. I'm going to go out on a limb. Courtney probably said, whatever. I don't even want to think about this. You do you. How does that sound? Alex, did I get that right? Yes. Okay. Courtney, did I get that right?
1: Yeah, like as if fly on the wall.
0: Right. And uh, what do you think is missing from all this? Because technically, all that is correct. You should have a joint account. You should have visibility. So why isn't it working?
2: We don't earn enough money to support our lifestyle. Fair enough. Something's missing here, Courtney.
1: Um, well, I would say my ability of awareness, because at this point. I don't have the ability to view what was purchased on the credit card that we're using. What? Um, Why? It's not on the app. And I have, even Alex makes that face like, I don't have the login for it.
0: Well, what if we fix that right now? Oh, God. Not another one of these. I'm not going to put you through another 20 minutes of listening to people try to log into an account, but just know that when I talk to couples who are not connected on money, it's becoming more and more common that one of them just doesn't even know how to log into the accounts. If this is you, you gotta fix this. This is table stakes, all right? Both partners should be able to log into the accounts. I've got a colleague who's going through something stressful in her family life right now. And she's having these anxious thoughts and she told me it makes it hard for her to sleep. And we were talking about it and she said, you know what's been helping? She puts on a sleep story. From Calm about a train ride through England. It's a guy with a very nice British accent. And within five minutes, she's asleep. I think it's very interesting that we talk about sleep, we worry about sleep, but often we try the same things we've tried for such a long time. And there's a lot of different approaches that we can take to sleep. Take Calm, one of our sponsors today, it's the number one app for sleep and meditation. It gives you the power to calm your mind. They have meditations on things like anxiety and stress. They can help you focus. They can help you relax. And as you heard, they have sleep stories for kids and for adults. The Calm app puts the tools that you need to feel better, including music, soundscapes, or even things that you can use to focus at work. If you go to calm.com slash you'll get a special offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription. And they add new content every single week. For listeners of this show, Calm is offering that exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash remit. So go to calm.com slash remit for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash remit today's episode is sponsored by element a very tasty electrolyte drink mix and i want to read you a response that i got from one of our readers who started using element recently his name d he wrote you convinced me to try element and i'm pleasantly surprised by how much i enjoy it the magnesium is really helpful for managing headaches and getting quality sleep but it tastes so much better than i was expecting given the salt factor this will be my new go-to for workout recovery and the blistering Florida summer heat. Well, first off, I love hearing about your experiences with our sponsors on the podcast. I want to pick the very best sponsors for you, so keep your feedback coming and thank you. Element can help prevent and eliminate headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, sleeplessness, and other common symptoms of electrolyte deficiency. If you're sweating or feel dehydrated and you want to replace your electrolytes, consider Element. They have eight great flavors, like citrus salt, watermelon salt, raspberry salt, and even lemon habanero. Right now, Element is offering eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors. Get yours at drinkelement.com remit Try it totally risk-free, and if you don't like it, they'll give you your money back, no questions asked. You have nothing to lose. This deal is only available through my link. Let me give it to you again. DrinkLMNT.com slash R-A-M-I-T. That's DrinkLMNT.com slash Ramit. What I think is missing from all this transactional talk of transparency is that, let's say you get access to everything, Courtney. Mm-hmm. And the two of you can ask us each other assorted random questions. How much did we pull from savings? Okay, and you can get an answer very quickly. Great.
2: Does that solve your problems? No. No. My relationship with money is unhealthy. And I think now Courtney's relationship with money is unhealthy. And we're both like <laughs> fear-driven. Is that true, Courtney?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fear means what, Alex? You fear what? fuck everything and run. So why do you think that that feeling of fear and running away persists?
2: Um I think because well I mean we we've had some some big major changes especially in the last few months with, with the marriage and the move. Yeah. The move was not cheap. Mm-hmm. The marriage was mm-hmm. you know expensive. Um but I had a blast and I'm, I'm looking back. I'm very glad that we spent that money to do that. I had a wonderful time and I and mean, it, it meant a lot to me to, to see Courtney have a wonderful time too. I love that. Um, And I think we're just playing catch up and you know, I, I like I said, we, we have some cash. I have some shit I can sell. God forbid I have to, I'd really like to keep that stuff. Um, but I think we just our income needs to catch up, and we, we're mm-hmm. strategizing, we're making moves in that direction. What is missing from the way that the two of you talk about money, Courtney?
1: I mean, I think my guess on that would be like a game plan, other than make more money, mm-hmm. um, and then kind of like, oh well, yeah, I mean, I guess just like a game plan on like what, like what are we doing, other than if, just like money coming in and money coming out and yeah. work, 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 work. Until more you and die. Not working. Yeah, mm-hmm. just like a yeah, full-blown panic mode of like, we're not gonna ever get out of this and the treadmill just keeps going faster and faster.
0: We'll talk about the numbers, but the way I see it is you've been given a golden opportunity where this is a, a pivotal moment for the two of you. You just got married. We're on this call your expenses just went way up with a new child and a new rental. Mm -hmm. You have the ability to take one of two directions. One, you can keep going the way you're going. You'll play catch up for the rest of your life. You'll be like many Americans. Expenses, constantly worrying, but then you paper over it and then you die. Yeah, fuck that. (laughs) Okay, I like that. I like that. The second option is you can make some difficult decisions. You can do it today at the young age that the two of you are at. And if you do that now at the age of 35 and 37, it's possible you have a very, very healthy future as it relates to money. But the way that you approach money has got to radically change. Here's what I see is missing from the way that the two of you talk about money. You have no shared vision. There's no shared vision. If I'm Courtney, I want to learn about money. Yes, I'm willing to put some time in, but I want to know when I can get my nails done.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: What else? What <laughs> else does Courtney want to know in this shared vision of a rich life? Courtney, tell me.
1: Well, yeah i mean definitely just nails done not feel guilty about getting my hair done not being like kind of back to the grocery thing but like i was so excited when i only spent 80 dollars on four bags i was like look at what i did you know like seeking that approval for ah, doing yeah so
0: you for, like, want verbal approval
1: or yeah, validation like, from Alex? yes yeah i like verbal approval
0: huh? great yes. love yeah. it i love just putting it out on the table here's what i yeah. need to be happy i want nails i want to be complimented and i want X, Y, Z. Love it. We can write that down. That's fantastic. All right, Alex, in this shared vision of a rich life, what do you want?
2: Short term, I'd like um, the time and freedom to uh, use my toys, go ride dirt bikes and not worry about spending gas money to ride out to the trails or take a day off to spend a couple days down in Mexico long term and, and I'd like and I'd love like the time to to go bring the camp the family out camping and so we can all kind of enjoy the stuff that we like to do together financial freedom really um, to, what? to to you know be able to to only work if I choose to not out of necessity and uh, have the ability to do some traveling and um you know, in, enjoy time with my wife and family and not not worry about where the money's coming from.
0: Courtney, does that resonate? I didn't hear the long-term rich life for you.
1: Yeah, I'd say we're on the same page for the long-term one. Is like, have that nice little cushion of money that we're like, okay, cool. We can live off of this and not be staring at a bank account and go do whatever we want to do. So that okay. we're on the same page. yeah. Courtney, I'm going to ask you to walk me through these numbers.
0: Let's start off with the net worth section. First of all, without looking at it, how much money do you think you have, Courtney?
1: Oh, do we like... okay? Oh guys, so here's that question that Alex always asks. I'm like, uh... Well, that's that, okay. Let's we,
0: break it down. No need okay. to feel nervous. We're going to take it step by step. Okay. So let's start off with um, how much do you think you have in savings?
1: In savings? Okay, so I took a quick peek at it. It said 10000
0: How about investments?
1: Uh, let's see. My Roth has thirteen thousand the last time I checked, and then Maggie's fund has I don't know, probably like twelve hundred or something right now. The stocks have been dropping. So,
0: okay. How about your assets? How much would those be worth?
1: Like Alex's cars and or motorcycles yeah. and stuff. Well, <sighs> oh, this is going to be a ballpark. Let's just say eight. Okay, twenty-eight
0: thousand. Anything else you have a car or anything like that you want
1: to add in there? Oh, I didn't think about the Lexus. I have no clue how much that's worth. Thir- 35. Okay. <laughs> 35 so let's 000?
0: just say, say 30,000 just to keep it even. And how about how much debt do you owe?
1: Um, okay, so it's 107 on my loan. And then the car is, I think, at 22. So one, two, seven, eight, nine. One twenty-nine supposed to say one hundred thirty thousand. Courtney,
0: how do you feel about that?
1: Um, I mean, I don't know. The assets are kind of just like, eh, whatever. Like, it's that's going to change depending on what the market is. So, I mean, that's cool. But if nobody's buying motorcycles, then that's worth dog shit. So, it's forty-five thousand dollars worth of assets. Mm-hmm.
0: That's money in the bank. Now, we would need to sell it. We might incur some transaction fees, etc. But that's not nothing and it's not eh. And in fact, I don't want you to use that eh word anymore because that, okay. th- that we don't use that when we talk about money. Okay. right? We're going to get more precise with our language. You have $45,000 worth of assets. The fact that the two of you are arguing over groceries <laughs> does not make sense when you have $45,000 worth of assets. Would you agree? Yeah. All yeah, right, I see that. great work. Let's take a look at your
1: income. Uh, how much do you make, gross? Um, see, that's like a funky one. So I took the last four months and averaged that out, so it came to five thousand gross. Good.
0: Four thousand a month for Alex. Five thousand a month for Courtney.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's take a look at your expenses. So the fixed costs. Let's walk through it here. Your rent is. Forty one hundred a month. What do you think about that? It's high, yeah,
1: but also worth it. Like I don't, I don't look at that and think like a uh, bad move. <laughs> I'm happy in this um, <laughs> house.
0: What do you think, Alex?
2: I think it's high. It's much higher than anything I've ever paid. But um, you know, we I looked really hard, and you know, we we live in Orange County. And it's expensive. we, we work here and, you know, we, we had some criteria and it was, I mean, we weren't going to get into anything on free grant. Can I point something out to you both? Mm-hmm. I think
0: that the place you live in, I'm sure is very nice. I know that Orange County is incredibly expensive and it's totally unfair, especially to young couples or single people trying to make it. It's impossibly expensive. That's one of the reasons that I'm such a fierce advocate for building way more housing. Apartments, duplexes, quad, everything. We need more options. But I don't think you have applied any standards for finances when it comes to buying or renting this place. So you had your criteria. It was the yard and the washer dryer. Those are fine, fine criteria. But what was your financial criteria?
2: Under three thousand well is what we initially talked about
0: first of all, where'd that number come from and second of all, you're paying forty one hundred a month
2: right um, <laughs> so what does know, it before, matter? before we started looking so let's try to keep it under three thousand and then we started looking you, you said that right Alex we agreed on that
0: okay, but who came up with that number me and then when you went and found this place, uh what happened who was the one who said, let's stretch it, let's do this place. Me, you wanted to stretch it,
2: yes. Why? Well, I was the one up here uh, a portion of the week, looking at places and mm-hmm. and shopping for for rentals, and you know, quickly found that three thousand dollars wasn't going to get us in even in a, in a decent neighborhood. Yeah, you know, and let alone um, a garage. Uh huh.
0: A garage Mm -hmm. for the four or five motorcycles. Yes. Yes. Courtney, why are you smiling? Look at that smile on your face.
1: (laughs) Calling them out.
0: (laughs) You know, (laughs) I mean, I enjoy a good call out as much as anybody. Trust me, you listen to my podcast, I love it. But this is really serious. This is your finances, right? Like, I'm not, uh, my goal is not to just jab each of you and put up the points on the board. I really want to help you come up with a shared rich life vision. Thank you. Okay. You had criteria for a garage. You had criteria for the washer and dryer. But the fact of the matter is that a good guideline for housing costs is to keep it below 28% of your gross income. Now you all live in a very high cost of living area. So we can stretch that. We can stretch it to 32, maybe even 33. And if you had no debt, I might even push it a little bit higher. But do you know how much your percentage is right now?
1: Would
0: that be 60? 45% of gross. Oh, that's hmm. I
1: what
0: I thought. No. Well, you just came up with that number arbitrarily. <laughs> 45%. <laughs> and let me tell you something. Look at the Conscious Spending Plan. Look at it. Do you see your entire fixed cost category? What is the number that I typically recommend people spend all of their fixed costs as a percentage of take home pay. What's that number?
2: 45.
0: 50 to 60% is what I Just, recommend.
2: Okay.
0: Your number is what?
1: Is that the 147?
0: Nope. It's two to the right of that.
1: 91.
0: 91. Mm-hmm. 91% of your take home is being spent on your fixed costs.
1: You see why we're stressed?
0: <laughs> but, ah. Two things I want to point out here. First, notice how Alex is the perfect example of letting the tail wag the financial dog. Let me explain. He bought a bunch of motorcycles and now he has to spend literally tens of thousands of dollars more on rent just to get a big enough garage to house them. Have you heard this phrase? The things you own end up owning you. That's what's happening here. Five motorcycles means you need a big garage. If you live in an expensive neighborhood, that means expensive groceries and repair people. An expensive house means extremely high phantom costs for repairs and maintenance. Now listen, it's fine to buy really nice things, but you have to factor in all the costs, the time and the money and the mental overhead, because if you don't, these inanimate things will start to own you. And second, this one has really been on my mind. I don't really get the sense that Courtney is taking this seriously. The comment she just made about me calling him out. I mean, it's funny, I guess. But you just discovered you're spending way, way too much. You're losing money every month. It's not that funny. I think there's a time and a place for jokes. And there's a time to face reality. And even in these dire circumstances, perhaps especially in them, Courtney continues to evade and joke and distract from really taking an honest assessment of what is going on. This is not
2: a good sign. We did this with the best of intentions. And I think that, you know, we are in a great neighborhood, in a great house. That's real important to us. We're close to your folks. You know, we don't we don't have to pay for any child care, which is huge. We're definitely saving money there. I'm happy about the house. I'm not happy about the amount of money we're spending. Um, I mean, we we just we got to make more money.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs>
2: but, but we can do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Courtney,
0: yeah. hold on before you go and agree and go down the rabbit hole of that ask him is that our only option do you see any other options
1: mean, yeah do you
2: yeah yeah definitely it takes some sacrifice but i think if we we could um i mean if you wanted to get crazy we could move into your folks house we can move into a, a, a cheaper place good pause there
0: pause there now alex Toss it back to Courtney because you're not the you're not the solution haver in this relationship. Mm. You're just a partner. So okay. why don't we play a game called Bounce Back? You bounce it back to her. She bounces it back to you, and the
1: two of you get them all out on the table. Go ahead. Okay. okay.
2: Do you have any ideas?
1: I mean, one that I'm not excited about, but a roommate. Okay. Bounce it back. Your turn.
2: Um, we could make more money. Bounce it back, so I okay.
1: Can roommate, move out. Uh, yeah, what was the other? Make more money. I think that's okay. all I can really think of. Bounce it back. Okay, back to you.
2: Hey, this is more of a Band-Aid solution, but I could sell some stuff. Okay. Like what? Sell motorcycles.
0: All right. And uh, Courtney, if he sold those motorcycles, are you curious how much you two could get for those?
1: Uh. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you ask him? yeah how much would that be and well, I, I want to preface with saying keeping the one that you keep the one you use sell the 500 sell the other one and sell the the pink one
2: uh 10 grand quick all right and
1: slow 12 okay
2: all right nice work
0: first of all how'd that feel to do that bounce back that was nice good I like that teamworky yeah I like it in order to go forward together, you've got to start building these little rituals. And sometimes it's as simple as changing the dynamic of the way that you talk about these things. Mm-hmm. It was about to go into a rabbit hole of like, well, the only way we can do this is earn more money. And so we got to earn more money. Well, why have we already done? Well, right. You guys already know you want to earn more money. Fantastic. Check what are the other options? So right. from having that bounce back conversation, any of those sound appealing to you?
1: Earn more money,
2: <laughs> okay check
0: you're gonna do that yeah. what else
2: uh, for me, the only thing at at this point I'd be willing to do is to sell some stuff that'll get you ten grand. How long will that extend
0: your finances?
2: Uh, it, it's just a band-aid you know it'll, um, it'll take
0: you like one month basically that's how far it'll get you mm-hmm. Your, your expenses are over $6,000 a month.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So what happens? Right now you're drawing into savings. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So how long can you go? Six months. Maybe less. Maybe less. Depends
2: on the months. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. what, happens? what happens when you run out of money? <clears throat> Start selling stuff. Uh, that already includes selling stuff. You don't have that much to sell. Right?
1: Move into mom and dad's house or a trailer or a studio and try to not murder each other. So do you all realize well,
0: how close you are to that scenario? Pretty no. close.
1: <laughs> denial. I'm in denial.
0: You two are spending 91% of your take-home on your fixed costs. Mm-hmm. I recommend people spend no more than 60%. And that's at the high end. Mm -hmm. What do you think that my suggestion would be? Move. Immediately. Mm. You are months away from running out of money. Mm -hmm. Months. And we have not even factored in your debt payments. If those were to turn on tomorrow, we're talking about shrinking how long you can afford to be here we're probably not even capturing all your true expenses. There yes. are a lot of expenses people forget about.
1: The motorcycle expenses were not on there.
0: Yeah. So you are months away from being completely out of money.
2: Mm-hmm. I think moving into your folks' house is the only option.
1: Yeah, I mean, so Rami, I do have a question though, because I mean... Oh, it- I'll answer your question, but
0: he just said something very profound.
1: I know. I yeah. Uh, Can yep. you
0: please react to the huge elephant in the room instead of distracting and asking me an unrelated
2: question?
1: Sure. I mean, yeah. Moving into my folks, I don't know if that's an option.
2: Well, assuming like, assuming no that was an option, let's just get if if it is assuming it is an option, would you be mm-hmm. down to do that?
1: Oh man! I mean, yeah. I, I mean,
2: it would save us thirty five hundred dollars a month. It's yeah. probably closer to $5,000 a month. Yeah. I mean, and there's part of me that would love
1: that. Part of me that would hate it. But.
2: Well, how quickly could we get out of debt? Ho, 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 ho. this is an amazing
0: conversation. First of all, Alex, amazing job asking that question. Assuming that it is an option, would you be willing to do that? That was masterful. I just want to take a second to commend you on that. Courtney is kind of going through things as she's talking out loud. I can hear that, Courtney. That's okay. This Mm -hmm. is a big potential change that you're considering. Courtney just said, yeah, I wouldn't love it, but I would be willing to do it. Can we take a second for both of you to acknowledge how far the two of you have just come? It's really important to do this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Try it. Go ahead. Good job.
1: Good job. Yay, conversation, having tough conversations.
0: I do think that there are a few moments in these conversations that are so important. I don't want to just skip over it into the logistics.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Because the logistics are minor details. You're going to figure that out. But the feeling of connection that the two of you are creating with each other, that is teamwork. That is creating a shared trust, which will lead to a shared vision of a rich life. You are paying too much for your rent by a huge, huge percentage. And the fact of the matter is with your income, you cannot afford to live where you're living. You cannot. And I hope things change. I hope your income goes way up because I would like for you to be living beneath your means and be able to pay this debt off aggressively and to start investing. But right now you have put yourself in a situation where you cannot afford to live here and you see it because it's training your savings every single month. Mm -hmm. What would it mean to be able to live with your parents for some amount of time, financially speaking?
2: Well, I feel like it would give us a, it'd be a great opportunity for us to start piling away some money and then deciding what we want to do with it, whether it's, you know, throw it at debt or invest or whatever it would, it would take the pressure off of, you know, the financial stress that we are have both have been experiencing. How does that strike you?
1: I mean, I like having my own space. It would be cramped. It's more in that aspect of it. And then just like the emotional component, again, of like, I think I like the visual that you have of yourself where you're like, oh, 30s and living back at mom and dad's
2: house. The whole being 30 and and living at your folks' house, that, you know, that with that comes the implication of somebody who doesn't have their shit together, who, you know, our reasons for, for being 30 and moving back in with your folks would be for us to create a bright, wealthy future for ourselves, not to couch surf and you know, mooch off of your folks.
1: Right.
2: You know, it's completely different. Yeah. Completely different. It's to do a responsible thing and pay off some debt and save some money. Not to, not because we don't, we're in between jobs for the eighth month in a row and we have a drug problem, you know, it's different. Yeah, What do you think, what would we accomplish by moving into your folks house?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, saving a bunch of money.
2: (laughs) Do you think we'd be so taking not. advantage of your parents?
1: My mom would say no. My dad, maybe. I mean, I did not take advantage. I just think that my mom would be excited about it. My dad wouldn't.
2: Well, I mean, I, I get that one hundred percent. Yeah, I wouldn't be excited if I was your dad either. Yeah. I'm not excited to live with your dad.
1: <laughs> oh, make sure you watch this.
2: <laughs> Keep going, Alex. You're on the right track here. Um. You know, but do but do you think it'd be beneficial for us as a family and for our future if we made with your parents' help some major sacrifices right now? Uh,
1: Yeah, possibly. It's yes. Like I could, I could see that. I think. Where I'm just struggling with like having a full blown yes to this answer is that like I Oh, I'm not
2: asking for a yes or a no. No, We're just chat talking it out.
1: Right. But I just think like for the to be in full agreement of what you're saying, like just strictly numbers, that's a no brainer. Like Mm -hmm. no duh, you know. But then like in the, the nuances of things and relationships and that kind of stuff, that gets it to be a little hairy.
0: It's your money. It's up to you what your risk tolerance is, but you've got $15,000 in savings. That is basically two months of expenses. That is as red flag as it gets for me. If I was down to two months of expenses, I would be making drastic moves. Now it's easy for me to say, I'm not the one who would have to break the lease, move in with my parents, change everything, explain it to a lot of people that I'm living with my parents in my 30s but that's also part of the reason that you come to somebody like me. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So you either make tough choices now or you sort of meander along for the next 40 years. You don't have to make as tough choices, but you never actually get to do the things you want to do. Which do you think you would look back on and regret?
1: I'd probably be pissed at myself right now.
0: I don't know what will happen with Alex and Courtney. What I know is we started talking about Trader Joe's ice cream today. And in one conversation, we found out that Alex and Courtney are close to going completely broke. They have two months of living expenses and it's going fast. You know, when it comes to money, we often get fixated on these $3 questions instead of asking the $30,000 questions, the ones that are really important. part of the reason is that's what we know. Part of the reason is that's where we feel comfortable. But that's not always the right move. For me, what's even more worrying is that Courtney has developed a habit of evading the real issues. Not just with Alex, not just with me, but worst of all, herself. You've heard me say that a rich life means being honest. Honest with yourself and honest with the people around you. If Courtney can't be honest with herself about the severity of their situation, it's gonna be difficult to actually change. But what's amazing here is that they actually have a magic option that almost nobody else has. They can move in with her parents. Now I understand why it might be difficult to fathom, but if that could transform their finances and give them the support they need to get back on their feet, I would encourage it. We all need a little help sometimes. Now I did get a follow-up message from Alex and Courtney before I read it to you a quick reminder that you can watch this episode on YouTube to pick up some of the subtle cues in their body language. Just search for Ramit Sethi on YouTube. And if you are listening to this and you are ready to make a change with your money, you can join me in my money coaching program where I answer questions live every month and you can join the community of other people who will hold you accountable. As you take control of your money. To join, go to iWt.com/slash moneycoaching. Here's a message I got after our conversation. Courtney wrote: I learned that it's best to be honest with myself and Alex with spending and that he responds better when I am. I was surprised by how quickly we were able to calmly communicate and work together as a team over finances. Alex said, I learned that our current financial situation is not something that we can maintain without serious changes and housing is too large of an expense for our budget. On housing, we are crunching the numbers on what we can afford with a house and plan to move when our lease is up. We are also working on other ways to earn more and save. We are subletting my office space, which would save us $800 a month. Alex is looking for a job that would pay more And I, Courtney, am focusing on my high price point services in my business. I want to thank Alex and Courtney for sharing your story. I want to thank you for your candor. It's not easy to come on and have a conversation like this where you're sharing everything. And I know that all of our listeners and YouTube viewers appreciate you sharing your story with us. I know I do. I'm Ramit Sethi. Thank you very much. You know, travel is one of my money dials. It's one of the areas that I love to spend money on. I travel for months every year and I'm fanatical about the hotels I stay in and the experiences that my wife and I go through when we go on these trips. And I wanted to share another podcast that I really love called All the Hacks. It's by my friend Chris Hutchins. And Chris is the person I actually called when I wanted to build a personal playbook for how to use my airline points. I got on the phone with him and my assistant and Chris said, okay, which cards do you have? And we went through it and we built a personalized travel playbook because Chris knows everything there is to know about travel. And now he's got this amazing podcast that I want you to check out. Again, it's called All the Hacks. Chris has traveled to over 60 countries, mostly for free. And each week on All the Hacks, he shows listeners how you can do the same with expert guests. He even does deep dives on specific travel locations. For example, there was recently an episode with the founder of a travel company where he broke down where to find off-the-beaten-path experiences in Italy and the best way to use points and miles for your next trip there. I've had the opportunity to be Chris's guest multiple times. Most recently, we talked about money and relationships and building a shared vision for your rich life. You can check that out on episode 112. So check this podcast out. It's actually very interesting. I want you to search for all the hacks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your wallet will thank you later.